0: so this morning, I can share a lot of stories with you, but I just, you know, one of the things, if you came this morning, if you're a visitor, I don't know where you're at, but I believe God just wants to speak to you. I believe God's that kind of God, that when you come to a place and you have a heart that's longing to hear from God, God wants to speak a word to you. And how I many of you came just saying, I need a word from God this morning? And so, you know, I think about that, that Psalm, in Psalm 42, verse, uh, verse one, it says, it's a deer panting for the water brooks. So my soul pants for you. David was in a place where he was, the, he was down. He was discouraged. and There was people all around and his friends began to turn on him. And his enemies were almost had him. And he got to the point, he said, God, where are you? You ever feel that way? God, where are you? And he began to cry out. And something God's really showed me through this psalm is, is, is the first thing he had to remember this. He remembered, he came to a point where he, he literally adjusted himself. And he came to the point to remember where God came and met him. How do you remember the place where God met you? He just remembered, and sometimes we got to remember. You know, we go through times of discouragement, we go through difficult times, and we want to shrink back. But He just remembered. Another thing He did, He recalled all the times God had showed up when He felt like giving up. And so He remembered, and He recalled, and He remembered. And he started thinking. That means He started thinking about all those times that God really met Him. And sometimes we need to recount all those times when God showed up and really met us when we really needed Him. How you know I'm talking about? It. And then not only that, he had to think differently, and he had to speak differently. But he remembered; he did one thing because he remembered, and he recounted. He was able to rejoice in what God was doing and what God was ready to do. And so I rejoice this morning because I remember how this church started. It started. You see, this church didn't start in September. This church started 15 years ago. And my desire was to come to Crowley, Pastor Jacobson. they go to Jennings. And so the best thing that I could do is send something that's closer to me than anybody in my life is my son, Zach. And his precious wife Claire, who's like who is a daughter to Tracy and I. We've known her since she was 13? 13. And I remember Zach saying, Dad, I met the girl when he was 15. I met the girl I'm gonna marry. I go, brother, you better wait on that. You better let that heifer graze for a little while. I don't know about this. And sure enough, even Claire's mom came up to Tracy one time and said, Claire's going to marry Zach." My wife's like, yeah, right. We'll pray about that one. And, uh, and see what God's done. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a subject that many people don't like to talk about. And then some people are a little too eager to talk about. But I want to give you a biblical view on what I want to talk to you about. And I know that last week that Pastor Zach shared with you that everything... You can have everything and still have nothing if Jesus is not everything in your life. Amen? And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the purpose of your cash. How many of you know that money talks? How many of you know most of the time say like, goodbye? And see, last week, you discovered, just, you discovered that Solomon had everything his heart desired, and he was still not satisfied. You know, he had over a thousand, he had... Over six hundred wives, and he had three hundred concubines, and he had all the fantasies that he ever could fulfill. But the Bible and everything he desired, but he still wouldn't fulfill. He built temples, he built gardens, he even he even had the best parties. He had servants, he had singers, he had enough he had enough money to last for generations and more. But what? And all the wealth and possessions, the Bible says he was still empty. Why is that? You know, you can have everything and still be empty. I think about Howard Hughes and he had everything but yet when he died his hair was uncapped, his fingernails weren't cut. I mean he was just a mess. He had everything but he didn't have it. He thought he had everything but he didn't have everything. You know, there's only one source that that you can drink from and you never thirst again and it's a song. It's in John chapter 4 verse 14 says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water, water welling up to eternal life. You know what? I believe this. When believers get thirsty sometimes it's because they've drifted away from that old watering hole. They, 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 They pulled away from the word of God. They pulled away from the kingdom, the fellowship of believers or they've just not been a part. And they end up it's kind of like dry bones, and they're miserable. They're as miserable as a fish out of water. And see what Jesus was talking about? Jesus talking. He said, "I am the living water. If you come to me, you'll never thirst again." And sometimes our soul looks for everything else to fill it, but Jesus Himself. And He said, "If you just come to me, I'll fill you." See. There was a guy who was a, a, a guy who was a Frenchman about uh, about four years ago, he was 62 years old, and he was rushed to emergency room and he was suffering the stomach ache and he had this 12 pound weight in his stomach that was getting between his hips and it was just hanging. And so the doctors did an emergency section on, on his stomach. And they thought he would recover, but he didn't recover, and he died. And the doctor found inside this man's stomach, it would just blow you away, he found 12-pound mass, not a cancer, but he found 350 coins that the patient had swallowed, equivalent to $650 in American money. And what happened is the doctor said he was suffering a rare illness that makes people want to eat money. Now, you're probably saying, I'd never do that. Not this boy uh, oh, not this girl I got a, that, my money got a mission you see now let me ask you are you gonna uh, are you are you gorging yourself sick with money and materialism stop just a minute and just take an inventory of your life are you sacrificing time away for your family and church because of money? see are you working too hard for material gain many of us if we're if we're truly honest we have to say Maybe, yes, some of those questions. But this morning, what I want to do in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 15, if you can pull out your little Bible like Mike has, if you don't know where Ecclesiastes is, it'll give you what's cool about your iPhone or a smartphone or if you have like your iPad like I do this morning, all you can do is you, can, you don't even look it up. You can go alphabetical order and you can look like you know where it is in the Bible. Amen? Amen? Are y'all with me this morning? Because we are going to travel. Y'all look like a mule at the gate this morning. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to Solomon is going to say things like money is a good servant, but a bad master. Before you're tempted to turn to me off, let me just say, you know, what? maybe you're visiting. I came to a church, another preacher talking about money. Well, let me just say this. You know, that's all, you know, that. let me just stop from chapter One of the convictions of our church, we're going to preach all the word of God. How's that? Amen. Okay, we're going to preach all the word of God. And part of all the word of God is, let me just give you a couple of statistics. If you're going to teach the Bible, money will be discussed. Not only will it be discussed, it's more said in the New Testament about money than heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? Do you know that five times it's talked about five times more than it is prayer? There are 500 plus verses on both prayer and faith, and there's over 200 verses dealing with money and possessions. See, why are we talking about money? Jesus said it best. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what's amazing? Giving is not God's way of raising cash. It's God's way of raising kids. Every time I give, I'm giving a part of my stinginess and my selfishness. How many are you talking about? And God does not need my money, but I need I need to give. Why is that? The Lord wants my heart, not my money. He knows whatever, whatever, wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. In other words, you need to put your treasure in heaven your heart be and your heart will be. You know what? If you put your heart towards heaven, eventually inevitably your heart will go there with it. And see, our use of money and possessions may be the greatest indicator of what you are spiritually. Can I take this off? Man, I'm gonna take it off. I'm gonna be serious. See, this morning is the more you have, the more you want. I mean, you what know, I'm talking about money's not the secret to happiness. Instead, it's it is addictive and it's unsatisfying. It's not that. Let, let, let me just make a point. I'm not preaching against money. I'm preaching against what happens when you allow money to have control over you. Hello, anybody know out there? Yeah, thanks for all those amens he, verse verse 10 it says he who loves money will not be satisfied with money no and here's the guy here's money's not the secret half it, here's solomon he's trying to give us some advice in some of these he said here's a, the guy he didn't even ask for money first what he give you went to god and said god i want wisdom and god says because you didn't ask for yourself i'm gonna bless you and so what happens is he says nor he says we're not satisfied with money nor He who loves wealth and his income, this too is vanity. Money is not the problem. The love of money is the issue. In other words, money makes a lousy lover. Okay? The more you love it, the less it satisfies. The more you focus on it, the less it delivers. Americans are tempted to think, if I had more money, I could marry the person of my dreams. Come on. I always used to wonder, why is it ugly men get beautiful women? Just look at me and my wife. How did that happen? I don't know. What does money? But anyway. let see. If you build. You know. If I could just build my dream home. If I could just have a certain promotion. Or, or position. Then, then I'd be happy. And, and all of this. And happiness is dependent on, on, upon happenings. More than money and more possessions. You know. Someone asked J.D. Rockefeller one time. He said. You know. How much? How, you know. How much money he wanted?" And he answered. Well. Just another dollar just another dollar and that actually describes many times many americans in our 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 mentality whether we care to admit it or not it's true many christians we we have developed a love for money and abundance yet solomon says take it from me a man who had it all money does not satisfy the problem is we don't we don't believe him we don't believe solomon sometimes isn't that amazing we say well you know that's solomon you know uh uh, we, we would say something like, well, if I had it all, yet yeah, I would, you know, think about it. Think about all the people that you see that we feel like that are happy in America. When you look, when you go to Walmart line, what do you see on those magazines? I don't know the name of them, the star. I remember that one. I don't even know if it's still around. Okay? Is it still around? Yeah. Okay, so well, y'all, look at it. y'all, shouldn't be reading that. You anyway. yeah. <laughs> know, <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> You know, Jesus should be the star. But anyway. Listen, uh, well, do you think the people in Hollywood are content? Do you think all these athletes that they say that has everything, has got it all together, do you think they're content? Does it? I mean, it seems like they are, but when you look at the magazine, but when you say, well, they have it all, but yet yeah, you see them caught up in drugs, alcohol, violence, divorce, You know, silver, whatever the trinket or toys or hobbies you're looking for, that's for satisfaction, they'll never fulfill you. They'll never bring about that which they hope that will. The conclusion is that money and possessions are vanity. The more you have, the more you want. That's what Solomon says. And see, the second thing is the more you have, the more you spend that's what Solomon says. He says it in verse he says, "When good things increase, those who consume them increase." So, so what is it what advantage is it that, that their owners expect to look on? A person who comes into wealth suddenly discovers, how many of you know that they have long-lost relatives and friends? In fact, in, in other words, money brings out parasites and leeches. You know what I'm saying? I remember reading this. Uh, was, they, they had a special several years ago on TV, and all these people that won the lottery all around the United States or played the, the Powerball thing, whatever, you know. And, uh, and they were putting their dependence on that and how they hit it big. And they had this one guy. I mean, all of a sudden, he had relatives that he'd never, and he would help every relative. He, he, mar- he left his wife, married a new woman, and then he's sitting in this house that he was building, this mansion he was building, and it was unfinished, and all the furniture was gone, the floor, the carpets were ripped up, and everything, sitting on the the chimney mantel. Not on the mantel, but the step, okay? And he said, I had it all. He said, the worst thing that ever happened to me is winning the lottery. I thought it would bring me happiness, but all it did was bring out people that really didn't care about. And I lost everything. You know, in other words, it just does that. It takes a lot of people to manage wealth. The more money means more workers, means more things. How many of you have discovered that when when your pay increases, somehow your expenses increase? Anybody know what I'm talking about? What good are possessions? You can look at them for a little while, but that's it. You know, my, I'm going to use my, my youngest son. He's with me this morning sitting in the front of by his mama. And, you know, he's in the baseball. And he's pretty, he's good at it. And, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, he's been out after this bat. wanting being this bat. You know, this bat can make you hit further. It's the, it's the right weight. It's got the right diameter. And he's got a fantasy. I think he dreams about bats at night. You know what I mean? And so my wife had taken him and he, And he's calling me, and I was outside doing some yard work, and he was looking, Dad, you know, so I called back and goes, Dad, I was trying to get in touch with you. They got the bat, and hippies, Dad. And he's, you know, he's describing and all this. And then, uh, you know, my wife and I went out that night, Friday night, and we went to go eat crawfish. It was good. And uh, on the way back, we were just talking. You know, he's a good boy, makes good grades. Does it all he does all the chores you ask him? Takes out the trash without being asked anymore. You know that's a miracle. And so why don't we just bless him? So we came in and he was watching TV and we I acted like I had a bunch of bags. All right, who, go get that! I got a bag in the back my truck. Go get that. He's thinking. You know, he was like kind of watch. I could tell he was kind of hesitant. Because he was watching something, a movie or something—oh, Ninja Turtles, whatever—and he gets up and he comes back in and he has his back. He goes, "I love you, Dad." <laughs> and he was kind of bored yesterday, so he we went out and I started throwing some pitches at him, hitting with the bat. And you know the crazy thing? I mean, he literally went to bed with the bat. I asked him this morning, "Did you sleep with the bat?" He goes, "No, I actually didn't sleep with the bat, Dad." But I said, but I said when you came out that morning, you you came out holding the bat." <laughs> I said, did you kiss the bat, love on the bat? I mean, no, Dad. I just, I just carried out that morning. And so, you know, I said, hey, we better go, I better go throw some balls. If you want to hit something with that bat, I want you to hit your sister with it or anything like that. So, so we went out and just threw. And then, you know, when he's hitting it, it kind of scarred and marred that bat. It wasn't the same. It wasn't shiny. And you know what I'm talking about? It's just not the same. And sometimes we think if I have this thing, it's it. I'm going to look so good in it. I'm going to, man, I'm going to, that dress, ooh, baby, that dress. And if I get that, if those tires, if I get those tires on that truck, and I pull up to all of my buddies, they're going to go, man, that's some mannish-looking tires. You got it going on, bro. You know, how many of those tires wear out. That dress fades. The drag cleaner, baby. Mess up a butt. I've had that, but anyway, let's be honest. Most of us think if we had enough to pay off all our bills and all our financial problems would disappear, wouldn't they? Having more actually creates as many problems as it solves. You know, money's a good servant. money is a good servant and a bad master. The more you have, the more people resent you for what you have. sometimes. You know, the more you have, the more you spend. Solomon goes on to say in the next verse, and, and, and the third point is this. The more you have, the more we worry. Hello? You know, the more you have, the more you worry. See, the Bible says this in, in verse 12. It says, the sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. See, the person who works hard and only has the basic necessities usually sleeps pretty good. That's what the Bible's saying. But no matter, no matter how much he has to eat, the rich man is more restless because he's eating too much. And he has too much going on in his life and he can't unwind. So, stuff doesn't bring peace, it actually brings anxiety. See, the primary reason people can't sleep is tension. And the primary cause for tension is worry, and sometimes worry over money or possessions or things. Like they said, they started out, you know, they, you start out owning things, and now you, and then they own you. It's kind of like someone came to Henry Ford one time, and they asked him, and they said, Henry, how are you doing? He goes, are you happy? He goes, I was happier when I was doing just my mechanic job than having this big corporation. See, when you don't have a lot of money, there isn't a whole lot to worry about. How many are you talking about? Everybody, amen on that one. You see, J.D. Rockefeller was almost ruined by wealth. At age 35, he was the first billionaire in the world. And every week he was making a million dollars a week. And he got sick. And he was, when he was sick, he was living on crackers and milk. And he couldn't sleep because of worry. And he had all this money coming in. More than anybody had ever had. But they found out that so when he started giving his money away and he started setting up foundations to help people, his health changed radically and he lived to celebrate 98 years. You see, the more you have, the more you worry. And the next point is, you all with me this morning? So the more you have, the more you work. What does that mean? You you see those shows, I don't watch them because they're sick. Hoarders. I mean, you know, they got these people that got piles. I mean, if, if you're Cajun, you got at least one hoarder. They got a yard hoarder. And you know what I'm talking about? I grew up, my grandpa had, he had metal, he had things. Uh, he goes, what is that all for? I mean, that's junk. Oh, you can use that. For what? I can make a good crawfish pot handle with that. Okay, well, I hadn't seen you do it in 10 years. You know. That piece of metal has been there. How many of you have relatives like that? You go, that's me. Anyway, put your hand in. See, the tendency of many Americans who have wealth is to forget about those who don't. In verse 13, it says, there, there, there is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches become imported by their owner, owner. Who is hurt? In other words, when you become when you become a, a hoarder, it begins to hurt you. Who has no money is poor. Who has nothing but money is even poorer. See, the truth is, we show what we love by what we do and what we have. see, if you are generous and sacrificial and giving to the Lord, Lord's work, caring for others, you'll have peace. If you choose to hoard, you have hurt. The truth is we are all very vulnerable. I know we're all vulnerable. We are just one illness, one accident, one crime away from losing it all. Our hope must be in seem more secure, more secure than money. Our security should be in Jesus and not in money. Amen. He's a, he's a you know, because money is a good servant, but a bad master. People strive be rich yet riches hurt they disappoint and they enslave then a man you know it's kind of a man that has ten, 10 antique cars he gets worried about that because he's got to wax them wash them keep them protected and not only that he he's got to he's got to he's, he's consumed by these possessions the more you have the more you hoard that's you see that was the last four points but i want to talk to you that's a warning. See, those four first four points that Solomon gives, it's a warning about money. But point five is the purpose for our money. And I want you to write this down. And if you're taking notes or if you're typing things, the more you have, the more you leave. You know, it says in verse 15, as he had, as he, as he came, as, as he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he can. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. We go as we come, naked. We leave. You can't hook up. I've never seen a trailer hooked up to a casket. I've never seen that. I heard of a guy one time. He said, you know, his wife, his wife looked at him and she said, he says, her, well, baby, when you die, what do you want? he said, I want you to put all my money in my casket. She goes, what do you mean all, my, all your money? How are we going to live? He said, I don't know, but I want all my money in my casket. That's my last wish. So when he died and they were about to close the casket, she wrote out a check and put all the money he had and closed the lid. Some of you will get it later. <laughs> Proverbs says, do not, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from the consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward heaven. Every year, Forbes magazine publishes a special report on the top-earning the top earning guest celebrities. In 2007, there was five. Number one was Elvis. Elvis is still making money. They still have... 70-plus-year-old women that have a crush on Elvis. John Lennon was number two. Charles Schultz, Peanuts. George Harrison and Albert Einstein. Even after they're dead, these men are still making money. These men earned a lot of money during their earthly lives. However, apart from Jesus Christ, it was meaningless. A rich man died, and at the reading of his will... There was a question. How much money did he leave behind? And his lawyer shouted, everything. The old adage is true. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead if you invest in eternity. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I got a couple stories. I have a friend of mine. His name is Tom Collins, the president over John Maxwell's men's ministry. His son is now the the pastor of their church. And they had a lady in their church. They really didn't know her. She was just a faithful lady. She gave her tithe. And she blessed the church. And their church has over 25,000 people in it. It's not just in one location, but it's spread out throughout the city. And they've been praying about getting this, building this building and getting this building. And this lady died. And she left majority of her fortune to the church. They didn't even know her. And they came. And they told Pastor Tom, when he was a pastor, they he said, hey, do you know, and they were believing for this outrageous amount of money, that she left. They, he won't even tell how much she left. It was hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay? When she left it, he goes, I didn't know who she was, but I promise you, in my office is a picture of her right above my bookshelf. And I think, thank God for Miss Polly. At First Baptist Church in Jennings, Louisiana, they built the church and there was a lot of people, do split the church. They built a multi-purpose building. And people were mad. They were, "How oh, you're spending this and you're that. And listen, on our, in our church, we don't do church votes. You don't vote on me, I won't vote on you. How's that? Mm-hmm. And when this lady died, she left enough to pay for the whole debt of the whole church and more. You know, it's it's what you build your life for. There's a story of this guy, this lady, she was just really, she was really poor. She was a maid that worked for this very wealthy lady. And every week, the poor lady would go to church and she would give out of her abundance. Just give out of her abundance. And the rich lady, when the offering basket came by, she would get her coin purse and look for the smallest coin she could find and put it in the offering basket. Well, what happened is the rich lady died after the poor lady. And so she was going to take her to, she made it to heaven. I don't know. She was a little cranky and a little demanding, but somehow she made it to heaven. Right? And she got to heaven and, and the angel looks at her and says, hey, you see that, that five-story mansion over there? And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's your maid's house. She thought, ooh, if she was from this part, she'd go, "Man, yeah, that's my maid." I can't wait to see mom. She's like, "That's my maid." I know. So what they do is they go from the five story to the four story to the three story, and she's going, well, "Where's my house?" Because we're getting to it. They go from the three story to the two story to the flats out in the country. And so the angels, he's he's walking and he comes up and he kind of gets a little hanky and he pulls it out and he's leaning against this tree that's out way out and she goes are we there yet he goes oh yes ma'am we're here she looks around there's like this little shack thing it almost looks like a doghouse. and she goes he goes we're here she goes what do you mean she's that looks like a doghouse." house he goes that's all we can build for what you sent ahead Solomon's clear. You don't take it with you. However, the flip side is the coin is positive. You can send it ahead. You see, Jesus commanded us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. That's what Matthew 20, verse, I mean, chapter 6, verse 20 says. Store up wealth in heaven. See, by giving to the Lord's work and being blessing to others, your money cannot live you. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? We're not owners. We're merely stewards of God's resources. You know that? You know the crazy thing is, this week I was talking to one of the pastors, and, and my wife had gone, she, she has a torn rotator cup. She was doing, doing some physical therapy. And the guy that owns that, I've known him for several years. He's a good, he's a good man. Didn't come to our church. He's a good Catholic man. He's come to my some my Bible studies and stuff. And he gave my wife an envelope. And, and, and he said, "Hey, give this to Bubba, and this is for the church." And so I opened the envelope. There's five hundred dollars. there. And he said, "I was reading an article about that egg drop y'all gonna do." And he said, "And I just, I just, I felt like the Lord just told me I'm supposed to give to it." And I called, you know, when I talked to him, "Thank you so much, Chris, and blah blah blah." Then I went to Josh, and I gave him a And I said, how much is that insurance for us to fly that helicopter around? He goes, $462. Well, here's the payment. And we started talking about how God had been faithful all this week just to pay things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just to be able to pay things that we needed around the church. Just even as you're sitting here today, you know what? There's people that invested in this church at the other campuses. They, they put up, they were putting up a head before. See, we didn't see you, but we did see you. You understand what I'm saying? We made investments. We said, hey, this is for the kingdom. These are for people that we don't see yet, but that are coming. And see, I believe this. You may, you know what? I've learned this. Every, everything you have is God's. Amen? Amen. Is it? Can, I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. You need to learn to make your money your servant to serve others, not your master, so that it masters you. You can have everything and still have nothing, if Jesus is not everything. See, I believe this. That the level of your hunger determines the magnitude of our encounter with God. When I met God, God radically changed me. Radically. I was into drugs, pornography, thinking I was God's gift to women, um, Don't look at me funny. Some of you thought you were God's gift to the other sex too. Don't laugh too hard. Don't don't poke your husband or wife anyway. Or you came to a point where you thought, I was just good. And you thought it was your goodness. You see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And that's... You know, if you came here this morning, you know my graces are. I, I know a friend of mine, his name is Jerry, he got saved when a preacher was talking about money. because I was listening to a money message, and God, I got saved by the way that God just shared about money. And let me just tell you something. Jesus came that you could have life. And you could experience it more abundantly. That he does want you to be blessed. He wants you to be He wants you to be a blessed He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing to others. I know people that that, that God has blessed them with great wealth. But they've learned to use that wealth for God's kingdom and blessing others. And you see how God has brought increase and given more opportunity. Listen, I'm not coming here and saying, hey, I need a corporate jet to fly around from campus to campus. Okay, we're not doing something stupid like that. But I will say this is that, you know, in order for the kingdom to work... It does take money. How I many am talking about? I mean, Jesus, when they went place to place, they need it. They needed. it. And we're not be- Let me just say this. You'll never hear us begging for money. We're never going to make it an issue other than this. You need to be obedient to what God tells you you need to do. Does that make sense? And so, you know, we're not here to put pressure on you or to give you a sad story we probably need to close the doors. The bottom line is that for all of us, here's the bottom line. Does Jesus have possession of your heart? And if he has possession of your heart, he has everything. Because how many, you listen, I've learned this. How many of you want all of God? Come on, let's vote. Let's have a church vote this morning. How many of you want all of God? Then, Then guess what? If you want all of God, everything that you have needs to belong. Can't compartmentize well a little bit here, a little because the people that do that are the most miserable people. They're always trying to make a deal with God. And see, the reality is, if you just be obedient to God, God will bless you far beyond what you ever dreamed or hoped for whatever you thought. And I pray for you this morning. You just bow your head and close your eyes, Father. Thank you so much for everyone here this morning. God, what you're speaking and what you're doing in our hearts, and I pray that we would never be a people that we allow money to be the driving force behind our life because Lord we realize that money's a good servant but it's a bad master but Lord we know that when we allow you to master our hearts that we become your servant that you speak to us you show us what to give how to give what form to give and Lord we just give you the we, we trust you with the results we trust you with what you speak to us. And Lord, our part is just being obedient. It's even like this morning that God, maybe maybe we came, maybe you came this morning and you thought, you know, I, I just came because I'm looking for something different. I need I need Jesus in my life because I've looked at other things and they haven't satisfied the money, the possessions, the the, the the person that I thought that would bring happiness in my life, the relationship. That's why we just hadn't done it for me, and I know that. More than anything, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to trust him. That he would have possession of my heart. If that's you, and you say, Pastor Bob, would you pray for me? I want to trust Jesus with all my life. I want to give him everything. Not just bits and pieces. Would you pray for me this morning? I want to give my life to him. For the rest of my life, from this day forward, I want to follow him and live for him and please him with all my life and with all my heart. If that's you, no one looking around, you say, Pastor bro, would you pray for me? Is that you? Just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone else? I'm not going to beg. I'll just give you a moment. Anyone else? You say, Pastor Bob, that's me. seven or eight of you raise your hand. but I want us all to pray, can we pray together. Because I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want you to pray this prayer with me. Is that okay? Because this, this is what it's all about. Okay, we're not playing church games. This is life and death. This is eternity and hell. This is for all the marbles. Amen? Amen? This is that I let God have all of my heart, and there's no compartments anymore, but it's it's everything. So can we pray this out loud together? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you. I give you my whole heart. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the grave, that you died for my sins, all of them, all the compromises, all the deals. But Lord, this morning. I come and I give you all my heart. I want to trust you from this day forward with all my life. That I love you. I'll honor you. And I will obey your voice when you speak to me. In Jesus name. Amen. Look at me. The Bible says this. If you proclaim me before men, I will proclaim you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. This morning, you made a declaration. Bold declarations require great risk. And you're saying, I'm trusting you, God, with everything from this day forward. I remember the day, May 15, 1980, when I trusted God. It'll be 35 years. That's a long time. Before that, I didn't do anything consistently for at least two weeks. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, far beyond what you think and what you've been asked this morning. God loves you. Listen to me, church. God loves you. If you came this morning, I want to let you know Jesus loves I want to remind you, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And this is a loving church. This is a church that wants to love people right into God's kingdom. And that you'll see God's goodness, his grace. And that he will be a part of your life the rest of your life.